welcome to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines, changing the conversation around divorce. This show is sponsored by Penguin in the Room. Penguin in the Room is an award-winning arts, marketing and social media management company. If you want to jazz up your socials and have someone Instagram and tweet for you, then here's your answer. Go to www.penguinintheroom.com. As always, hit subscribe to make sure you're updated about new episodes. And we love to hear from you on social media at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. You can also email us all the infos on our website, thedivorcesocial.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I am joined by Joe Middleton, writer, blogger at Slummy Single Mummy. Hello, welcome to the Divorce Club. Hello, thank you for having me. You're so welcome. Although I feel a bit of a fraud because I'm not actually divorced. Is that allowed? I presume that's allowed. You're you're very welcome. (laughs) Um, Do you want to tell us a little bit about your non-divorce experience? Okay, so I've actually had uh, like a string of bad relationships I'm one of those people who's you know I throw myself into new things and they're normally completely unsuitable and everybody who knows me tries to keep quiet whilst sort of making encouraging noises in the opposite direction um and then it all falls apart uh, but the one that I thought particularly sticks in my mind is like my very worst breakup experience it happened oh gosh about how long ago? Maybe about eight years ago now, seven or eight years ago. Um, and we'd been living together for about three and a half years. Um, and it, I think it was so bad because it just took me completely by surprise. Normally what happens in relationships is I stay in them way too long. And then by the time I get out of them, I'm mainly just relieved. And <laughs> there's a, a sort of weight off my shoulder and although it's kind of sad, you know, that it didn't work out, I'm not distraught about it, to be honest. And I thought that this would be what would happen with this relationship. And it wasn't. And it just completely, like, I didn't know what to do with myself. So how did it happen? Did you say you didn't expect it? I didn't expect how I felt afterwards. I kind of expected it to happen. So Uh, this is a perfect example of why of me rushing into things that are not suitable at all so when we met I was I 
I think, 32. And I had two children who would have been, gosh, like 15 and eight at the time, something like that. And I met this guy in a nightclub. Um, He was on a date with someone else, which... (laughs) I'll say, in my defence, I did not know at the time, and he didn't act like he was on a date with somebody else. But he was only 22, and he was still in his last year at university. So he was living in, like, a student house um, about two hours' drive away from me. I was in Somerset, and he was in Birmingham. But I really liked him. (laughs) And you kind of ignore all the things that feel like... uh, red flags in a relationship when you like someone don't you well I do some people are probably more sensible but I do so um we didn't actually swap numbers or anything that night when we met but then he got in touch with me through a sort of friend of a friend of a friend and found out my number and um we went on what was possibly one of the most awkward dates I've ever been on we went to an Indian restaurant and we were the only people in there and the staff just like stood pretty much about like three meters away from our table the whole night just waiting in case we wanted anything that's amazing that's so weird towards the end of my marriage me and my then husband of the time went to an Indian restaurant and we were the only people in there (laughs) and it was really awkward because we you know things weren't great so the conversation wasn't flowing Uh, plus we had like the waiters like do you need anything they really loitered something yeah (laughs) so that was it and funnily enough when we broke up we had one of our sort of final chats in a very empty Chinese restaurant uh, which had a similar kind of vibe about it except I was crying in that one and not in the first one I think if I'd been crying in the Indian restaurant on the first date, perhaps I would have realised that um, something wasn't right. Maybe the waiters would have stepped back a bit and just given you some space. (laughs) They might have done. So he was 10 years younger than you. He was 10 years younger than me, although in a lot of ways that wasn't so noticeable. Like he was quite um, mature in a lot of the ways that he thought about things. And I've always had a bit of a sort of childish side to me I think I don't know whether it comes from having a baby so young and I feel like I've kind of frozen at the mentality of a like 16 and a half year old um so in lots of ways although yeah he was 10 years younger than me but um I didn't necessarily feel it all the time what I, I think I really liked was the sense of sort of escapism that I got from it so when he was still living um in his shared house at university I would go up for like a night or two nights and we would like just because he didn't even have the whole house he just had his room so we'd be in his room and we'd just be like sat in bed and we'd order pizza and we'd watched crappy tv and it I think it sort of felt like how I imagined my early 20s would have been if I hadn't already had children and and um yeah I really liked that I liked that just kind of being able to step out of my life a bit I think yeah it was nice I liked it um there were difficult bits like he was really reluctant for the first few months to tell his parents about me because he thought they wouldn't approve and obviously that's not a very nice feeling to think that your partner's keeping you a secret um so that was a bit of an iffy start but uh, I liked him I, I liked him a lot And then when he finished university, I persuaded him 
that we should live together, um, which obviously was a massive step for him going from sort of living in a student house with two other guys to suddenly living with me and two daughters, one of whom is a teenager and one of whom, you know, is a very high energy eight year old. Um, I don't know what expected to happen really or how I expected him to adjust to that, but I think he found it difficult <laughs> to say the least. You say that you persuaded him. Yes. So how did that conversation go? Did he not want to initially? I think he was hesitant for sure. I think he could see that. I think we had this dilemma through the whole relationship, really, that although we weren't in doubt of our feelings for each other, both of us appreciated the sort of impracticality of the of the situation and I think um you know like I knew that probably he wanted to have children but not for another 10 years and in another 10 years I definitely wasn't going to want to have any more children and I think those you kind of you can try and ignore those issues for a certain amount of time but um they don't go away they just kind of get more and more obvious really um so yeah I think I was kind of you know it'll be great it'll be great we love each other it'll be fine like what could possibly go wrong if that's how we feel about each other and he was always the more sort of sensible practical one who I think anticipated a lot of the problems which then you know did come along as you might expect but you know he went for it he threw himself into the idea. It was quite, we actually, um, we ended up moving in together and sort of both of us moving house at the same time. So I was in Somerset and he was at university in Birmingham and we moved to a house in Bristol. And um, I didn't even see it before we moved in. We were supposed to be meeting there to view it together. And I got a migraine on my way up there and had to, turn around and go home so he went to see it on his own um and then there were other people interested and he had to put the deposit down really quickly so it was all kind of a bit of rushed leap of faith at the end really he chose a house for all four of us um being the only one to see it yeah it's a lovely house though I was going to say, did he go do a good job? I don't know if I'd trust a university student who had never got a whole house before. I'd say he, you know, he's got decent taste for things like that. And he knew, um, he knew what I would like and he knew that I'd like it. Uh, but we could only afford to live there for a year and then we had to move somewhere smaller. And I think when we moved somewhere smaller, it kind of, it made the issues in the relationship more obvious. So, yeah, so we stayed together for about, we were together for about three and a half years. And then I just remember one, there was one evening, um, where I don't know I was whinging about something and saying like oh I wish I didn't have to get up in the morning with the kids or you know the kind of thing before I went to bed and I was sort of angling for him to offer to get up and make packed lunches or something and he said um well they're your kids so you have to get up with them and I'd it was like a kind of quite an offhand comment but it really just summed up everything that was not 
right in the relationship really and yeah I just I think it brought home to me the fact that although we were all living together in this house and you know as a couple that he would never be and would never feel like we were a family and that they were his children and that we were sharing responsibility yeah and I I I guess that those feelings must have been building up over time and then it just there was that sort of one moment where I just thought god I can't I can't ignore this anymore can I this is not going to get any better and um I can't remember what I said next I think I probably I don't know might have had a little tantrum or (laughs) something but we ended up I think sat, sat on the bed maybe and talking about it a bit more and just sort of being like well what what are we going to do about it then like what's because you know I maybe you didn't mean anything by that comment but it's significant and we both know it and what can we do and neither of us could think of anything that we could do other than um to break up so that's what we did so how did that comment feel in the moment did it take you by surprise I think like I knew that that was how he felt generally you know just from things like you know household finances we were the two adults in the house and my way of doing things would have been to split things in half you know with your two adults but his way of doing things was to split things that I paid two-thirds to pay for me and my children and he paid a third to pay for his chunk of things so that that you know there's little hints (laughs) did that ever come up um as an issue at the time yeah and I I I would have said at the time that I didn't think that was fair um but he did and he kind of that was his that was just sort of how he saw things and he did see things fairly um black and white often and I really loved him and I wanted to live with him so do you think sometimes love can mask all the other things going on underneath I'm really good at just ignoring everything else and just thinking, but I love them (laughs) or they love me. So everything must be okay. Um, And yeah, in fact, when I had my last relationship breakup, a friend of mine and my daughter uh, made me a list (laughs) called uh, the Red Flags of Twattery list, they called it. And it's about 30 things that I have to look at. And at the beginning of any new relationship, I've got to go through them. And if any of them come up, I'm not allowed to ignore them, I've been told. And I read the list and I said, well, how many are they allowed to do before like it becomes a problem? And my friend just said, none. none. That's <laughs> the point. <laughs> it's not like pick a mix. You can't get like five or six and then <laughs> you have to start paying attention. It's interesting because I think I always believed that love is enough. You know, there Mm -hmm. were lots of signs that we weren't compatible, but I was like, but we love each other a lot and that's enough. And I think on the other side of my divorce now, I no longer believe that love is enough. Mm. 
which sounds very cynical, but I think. No, it doesn't. It sounds realistic. And I think that that I think you've got that spot on. I think that's why this relationship breakup was the hardest, because I think it was the first. My first experience of that, it was the first time I'd really. It was the first time I'd broken up with somebody and still been in love with them. And and yet that wasn't enough to make it a decent relationship. And that took me such a long time to get my head around that idea. It's really hard to deal with, I think, as an idea, because I, when we're yeah. growing up, we're shown in films and all of that sort of thing, that love will out. And as long as yeah, you love exactly. each other, everything will be fine. And Yeah, you find your one true love and then it doesn't matter. You can move to the other side of the world or you can have like one different things or you can, you know, it's like that. It's uh, without wanting to equate everything that happens in life to an episode of Friends, which is what I do. It's like Monica and Richard, isn't it? Like they made such a good couple, but they wanted different things. And then they had to break up. And that's like, and they were both gutted because they loved each other. But that wasn't enough. But then she got with Chandler and everything was better. I know, but she should have been with Richard, shouldn't she? (laughs) (laughs) I always think that. Chandler's not mature enough for her. Anyway. So I just I would just want to take you back before we talk about the sort of aftermath of the breakup. Mm. Um, I want to take you back to kind of your relationships before that and the family setup before that. So you said you had your first daughter at 16 and a half. Yes. Well, yeah, I was um, I turned 17 actually by the time she was born. But um, yeah, so I met her dad. um, Gosh, that's testing me. No, I must know that. Um, (laughs) I I think I met him in the street. (laughs) Sure. <laughs> you know, like when you're 15, 16 and you just hang out in the street. Um, he was a friend of the brother of one of my friends. So we didn't go to the same school or anything like that. But we met probably drinking like some diamond white in a park or on a on a sat on a curb. And we like that we were full in to that straight away from day one like we saw each other every day he'd come over every day after school he was a year younger than me um so he was only 15 uh I I was 16 and um yeah we were completely besotted with each other I think it's fair to say I remember going on um German exchange from college when I was a few months pregnant and I missed him more than I have ever missed anybody ever like I I couldn't eat I was just moping about the whole time like it was all I could think about I wrote him letters every day um wow proper young love yeah it was completely young love and when my daughter was born um we gave her his surname because I was in absolutely no doubt that we would get married and like live happily ever after and be together forever uh and funny enough we we weren't <laughs> uh but we d- we did stay together and um, for about three years but you'll notice a pattern with a three-year thing seems to be uh my thing yeah so we were together for about three years and then when I was about 19 and my daughter was about two he had an emergency appendicitis 
and had to go into hospital. And I remember going to visit him in hospital and um, just thinking, not that fast, like whether you're okay or not. That sounds horrible, I know, but I'd had a, a couple of months before then where I'd been quite depressed and it was my first experience of like anything like that. And I didn't know why. And I uh, I was quite overwhelmed by it at the time. And I think so partly I think I was, it was a symptom of the depression that I wasn't too bothered. But also then I thought, this isn't okay, is it? If the person that you're meant to love is potentially going to die, you should probably be concerned. And I wasn't concerned. So why... This sounds horrible. While he was in hospital, I moved it out and in with my mum and onto a mattress on her dining room floor. And when he came out of hospital, he came there for a little while. And after a week or so, he said, do you think we should go home now? You know, been here a while. I'm feeling a bit better. And I just said, I don't I don't want to. I'm going to stay here. Uh, I want to break up now um and it was a bit awful because obviously he was devastated and hadn't seen it coming at all I hadn't really seen it coming because I hadn't understood why I was so miserable but as soon as I said it and as soon as we had broken up I felt like completely back to my normal self and um yeah just really relieved and like this big weight had been lifted off me it's interesting how sometimes it does take like a big event you know like him going into hospital or you know for me I think it was when my dad died um and I was still going through like the wedding process but then I was in a marriage and I didn't feel like he was supporting me through my grief, you know, longer mm. than just like the first month. I think sometimes it is something big like that that makes you, you need go, a catalyst, don't you? Yeah. yeah. Mm. So then you, so how old were you then? So I was about 19 then. And I then had a period of about 18 months where I was outrageously slutty and just kind of, I guess, let go of a lot of built up um frustration or you know what you know I was had been a mum since I was 17 he was my first love and I I guess I just had made up for a lot of those teenage years in a very short space of time so we all week, need a slutty phase there's yeah. nothing wrong with being a slut <laughs> no it's fine I it's I a horrible word it. but if we're going to use it as a know. part of my development it was really important and my my weeks would sort of revolve around getting ready building up to Saturday night and fake tan and I had bleached blonde hair and I just yeah it was <laughs> and yeah so that was about 18 months and how did I, you cope with that with was a two-year-old well I so I'd moved I was on this mattress in my mum's dining room after I'd broken up with uh, B's dad and my mum was about to move house. So we moved house with her, but it wasn't a very big house. So B and I had to have bunk beds in what was going to be my mum's dressing room. So it was double doors off her bedroom into like this tiny room, which was just about big enough for bunk beds. And we 
lived there, oh, I don't know, maybe six, 12 months. And so quite a lot of my slutty stage was when we were there. And so I had my mum and my younger sister to help with um, babysitting and bless them. Like thinking about this the other day, they, my family are so lovely, like really lovely. Nobody really judges you or questions anything you do. They're just there to like do whatever you need. So I would rock home at, in the early hours of the morning, sometimes with a man, sometimes not, sometimes in like just this completely disheveled state. And they were just, they were so nice about it. Where would you bring the man, though, if your bedroom was off your parents' bedroom with your daughter? Oh, like a sofa, a hallway. Oh, sure. Yeah, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> just wherever there's room. Yeah, just wherever there's a space. <laughs> so you were a single mum having a lovely time. <laughs> yeah. And then how did your second daughter come about? Okay, so I met her dad. I was 21. And um, again, it was through a friend. I went over to um, see a friend for the evening and they she was living in a house and he was the lodger there. And I should have known really that something wasn't quite right about him because he one of the first things he did was lie about his age, but he only lied by a year. He told me he was 26 and actually he was 27. And I always think back to that and I'm like, that's not a good sign. Like, just a pointless need lie. To lie to <laughs> <laughs> yeah, completely pointless. Um, and the first time he came over to my house for dinner, I remember him bringing, he had a bag and there were clearly two bottles of wine in it. And he said, I wasn't sure like which you'd like so I was thinking okay he's bought one of each he said so I bought two bottles of red because that's what I like (laughs) I was like (laughs) brilliant (laughs) you just drink that time yeah there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss that's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss hold up what was that Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, but so we met when uh, I was 21 and actually after a couple of years, I sort of got to this point where I was probably getting towards that three year mark, you know, for me. And, um, I was thinking about breaking up with him, but instead I decided to have a baby. Um, so we had my second daughter when I was 24 and then we stayed together until about the week before my 30th birthday so nine years wow yes that's my longest ever relationship by far or although there were multiple occasions throughout where I told him that I didn't want to be in it and that I didn't think I loved him anymore and I was generally unhappy and he would say well that's how relationships are meant to feel like you're not meant to be happy like most of the time and he would say things you know about how much more effort he was going to make and how things would improve and and that I couldn't possibly leave and take everyone away from him and so I I kind of stayed and we went through this cycle of doing that every year or so for (laughs) quite a few years with me just no I didn't want to be there but not just not not knowing how to get out of it because every time I tried to tell him, he he'd sort of ignored it. Really, you know, he just did his same speech, and um, I felt a bit stuck. Really, there. I think a lot of people be able to relate to feeling a bit stuck and not knowing how to get out of something that they're not happy in. So, how did you get out? Well, again, it was like you said about there being a sort of a catalyst. So. Um, I was working a couple of different part-time jobs at the time and in one of them had developed quite a crush on my boss. Um, He was recently married, so I didn't think there was, you know, any kind of feelings reciprocated. And then we went on a sort of works night out and completely unexpectedly, for me at least, he made a kind of move on me and told me that he was in love with me and I was (laughs) yeah I was a bit taken aback because I mean he had literally been married within the the last year and yeah well I'd been happily going around having having my crush on him I had no yeah didn't know that it, it the feeling was mutual and I said that to him and he's like, how could you not know? Like we message all the time and like, it's like, well, because I, you just got married. Like, <laughs> thought we were friends. Um, nothing came of that. 
that's a kind of a separate story. But what it that definitely made me realise was that how I felt about Bell's dad wasn't how you're meant to feel about someone in a relationship, that he had not been telling the truth when he said that people were supposed to be miserable. Um, and that actually I could have strong feelings for somebody else and that was what it was meant to feel like. And so even though nothing came of this other um, person, it was the catalyst that I needed to to kind of give me a shove. Uh, so I told him that I wanted us to break up and he did his usual kind of talk. I think he thought it was just the same old thing that we always did. Um, and then the next day I was like, I, I meant it though this time, like we really are breaking up. Uh, and he didn't accept it for quite a little while, but eventually he didn't really have any choice and yeah there we were I was single again for the first time since I was 21. So you were single with two daughters yeah and you were just about to turn 30 how did that feel was it exciting or scary or yeah it felt amazing actually yeah it felt really good it felt after I'd got over the whole boss being in love with me and that was uh, that was an awful few months because he 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 uh, he made me believe that he was going to leave his wife basically um and I in my naivety believed that he would and obviously he didn't um and nothing really happened between us at the time but other than you know nothing physical like we didn't sleep together or anything but um I I kind of felt like I'd been um led down this route that I was quite happy not having been led down if that makes sense like I'd been happily going along being secretly a bit in love with him but that was okay that was just made work more interesting and then suddenly there it was and I was kind of offered this this is what like your life could be like this is how we could feel about each other and then oh no actually it's not I'm I'm probably all right as I am um so that was a bit stressful but once I got over that bit and was properly single it was really lovely it was really liberating to be out of the relationship that I'd been in for so long and known I'd not been happy in I painted things all different colors that tends to be what I do when I break up paint stuff I did that Um, when um (laughs) especially during all the lockdowns when I broke up with my um husband yeah I've painted the bathroom pink the kitchen pink not a pink (laughs) yeah just like I'm a woman and I'm on my own (laughs) yeah um the last breakup I had I painted the hallway stairs and landing pink the one before that I spray painted my bed pink it's just a thing, isn't it? It's just yeah, like, what is it? Do you think it's like, you know, celebrating your femininity without know. masculine energy being there I, It must be something like that, mustn't it? Um, yeah, so I had a, like, actually a really brilliant time in a couple of years after that. Um, I stayed single uh, for a little while and I had, like, amazing parties at my house 
all like fancy dress themed and hired jukeboxes and made everybody dress up in burlesque costumes and I was just had loads of fun and felt really kind of free and liberated um had a few interesting sexual encounters that um were quite fun too and yeah it was generally just like a really nice time actually that sounds great I always talk about my sexual explosion when I um separated I was like oh my god I just had sex with everyone (laughs) and just had a lovely time (laughs) nice nice yeah no it was good fun it's good fun it was a nice period in my life I think I felt um I felt it's kind of like I was coming into my own a bit. I think it's interesting the relationship we started talking about with the younger guy who was at uni. That sounds like, because your other two with your with your daughter's fathers, mm. you broke up with them. Yeah. And this one was instigated sort of by him and that comment. Yeah, and I think because, I think although I had a really fun time in those couple of years, I think the whole thing with this guy at work knocked quite a lot of my confidence because it it was the first time where I'd not felt like I was enough for somebody. You know, he'd kind of toyed with me as an idea and then decided I wasn't really worth the effort. How do you think you got over that or worked through it or have you still got over it and worked through it? I think I've got over it now, just about, but I definitely hadn't got over it when I got into the relationship with the guy that we were talking about in the first instance. So um, I was a lot more insecure in that relationship, I'd say, than I ever had been in the past. I felt I was often worried about whether I would be good enough for him. And I I presume that that's why I went all out on like this amazing house for us all to live in, because I was worried that he would, you know, want to choose somebody else. And so probably that then impacted our relationship. You know, it's never great if one person is not as secure as they could be in a relationship I think is it I think a lot of people will relate to that and I do definitely as well that that idea that you're not enough so you have to like put other things around you so you look like a snazzier package because (laughs) just you isn't a good enough package I think we've definitely all been there yeah and I think the age difference um probably played a part in that as well because I remember going to his I went to his um, uni graduation ball and I'm there like early 30s and literally everybody else is like 21 and all of these sort of girls dressed looking about 18 and all sort of super skinny and glamorous and um, and then me and I remember one of his friends a female friend saying to me she did like literally just met me and she was like oh it's so lovely to to meet you you know um said oh are you okay you look quite tired I was like fuck off I'm 32 (laughs) (laughs) I don't look tired I look old I look old next to you that's what it is Um, wow so I think that put me a little bit on my guard for the rest of the evening as you can imagine Uh, um 
so I think, <laughs> I think when it was just the two of us, I kind of forgot about the age gap, but that graduation ball definitely brought it home to me. Um, yeah, and then I guess you think, gosh, like, why is this guy who's could have any of these girls interested in me? 10 years older, having had two children. I don't I, I think there are times I don't feel particularly like I must be a great catch. But but he was with you. Yes, he was. So you had this um tough breakup moment when you were mm. living in this house together. How did you recover from that? Uh, you were insecure, you said anyway, and then you had yeah. this really tough, you know, you're in love with him and but it was mm. never going to be what you wanted it to be. Mm. How was, you know, how was your immediate aftermath? I always talk Oof. about crying on my mum's kitchen floor. It was an, it was a mess. <laughs> I was, I was a proper mess. I mean, in the immediate aftermath, obviously we had to stay living together while he found somewhere else to live. So that was weird. I mean, I think that's always a bit weird, isn't it? Um, and but then when he finally did leave, I just I I just, I fell apart. Like I couldn't. I didn't know what to do with myself. I would be just doing normal things, but I couldn't stop crying at the same time. Like I'd just be silently crying like for twelve hours a day. <laughs> and my poor. So my eldest daughter had gone to university by this time. So my younger daughter. So she would have been about eleven. And so she was just stuck with me the whole time. She, we call it the crying months now. That's like a period in our history. Um, because I just couldn't stop crying. I was just properly sad. I was like just really sad. Um, and we'd just be doing things like being in the supermarket and I'd just say, oh, I'm really sorry, I'm going to cry. And I'd just be crying while we did the shopping. And just everywhere we went I was just crying <laughs> and um it got so that I I started to get really like anxious about it as well I never really experienced anxiety before but I would wake up at like five o'clock in the morning and my heart was racing and I couldn't imagine how I was going to like get through the day um I was trying to work at the same time because I was working for myself by then and so kind of trying to manage myself to sort of do work and meet deadlines but every time I opened the laptop it was just like a surge of panic and dread and I would just like have to shut it again really quickly um I was living about an hour away from my mum and my sister at the time and there were quite a few times where I just had to phone them and say like come and get us because I can't I, I can't do it like I don't know what to do um and my mum would come and get us and we'd stay with her for like a few days at a time Bell missed loads of school because like I could when we went to stay with my mum she couldn't go to school um I did not go well <laughs> at all I had like work trips um I had to cancel like a couple of things I was meant to go out the country for um and the thought of having to go that far away from everybody and try to 
like to even manage myself was horrendous I remember about it must have been a couple of months after we broke up I went to um, a conference in Manchester a blogging thing where I was the speaker the like the keynote speaker in the morning um jointly with somebody else who I worked with but didn't know very well and I got up in the morning to get ready and just immediately was just crying like in the hotel room so I got in the shower and I was crying in the shower and I was getting dressed and I was still crying and every so often I would feel like I'd been punched in the stomach you know that sort of like winded feeling and I'd just be like leant over with my hands on my knees like crying and trying to breathe at the same time so I'm sort of going (laughs) going through the process of getting ready to go and speak at this conference but also doing all that at the same time and I got to the venue and this guy that I was talking with was there and I I was like Matt I don't (laughs) I'm not sure (laughs) um how I'm gonna do this speech and um he was so nice bless him he, he's like it's okay he's like my wife gets really anxious like I totally know how to deal with this like you don't feel ashamed don't feel embarrassed like we're gonna go and have a cup of coffee and he like he took me um off into this little room and talked to me for a while and calmed me down and was just amazing and um I did do the keynote speech and I don't think it was obvious that I'd been like having like a three hour panic attack before then. Um, wow, that's amazing. I think it was must have just been adrenaline. I, like the minute I got up there and started talking, I mean, everything else go, kind of goes from your head, doesn't it, when you're doing something like that. So it was fine. And then as soon as the conference was over, obviously, I just went back to the hotel and kind of had a, like a mini breakdown on the on the floor. But, you know, I did it. So that felt <laughs> quite pleased with that. And in that, because I have anxiety as well, and I've had panic attacks. And I remember when I was on holiday in Thailand, when I was, I was just engaged at this point. Um, I woke up in the middle of the night, and I was panicking that there was going to be a tsunami and I felt like there was going to be a tsunami and I was like looking out the window at the beach to check and like working out an escape route I was so panicky and you know those strange things go through your head when you have anxiety Um, and it can be so hot I think my ex found it very difficult you know Mm. he's I mean bless him it wasn't his fault but he didn't know what to do in that scenario and obviously when you're panicking you can't you can't even think for yourself let alone say to someone this is what you need to do to calm me down so um now that we're both calm if anyone is listening and you know ever finds themselves in the situation with someone panicking Mm. what do you think they can do that you find helpful what did your blogger friend do that calmed you down I think this is what was particularly tricky for me at the time because I'd never experienced anxiety before. And so I didn't even know what to do with myself. Um, and I, I I learned a lot about myself and how to deal with those kinds of feelings over those that period. I think what he what he did on that morning was to be very just like very upfront with me and very like, this is okay, like I this is a feeling you're having. Um 
it's not a feeling to be ashamed of it's a real feeling for you like it, it might not be caused by something physical but like I appreciate that this is a really real and valid feeling for you right now um and he just uh he talked to me a lot he was very calm but he was very direct he made loads of eye contact you know he was very like he's American so you know that helped um something really like comforting I love an American accent I love that if you're anxious find an American find an American yeah um and he just you know kept telling me that it's gonna pass it's gonna you know you feel dreadful now I understand that but it's okay it's all gonna be okay um but I think that that whole period of those few months was so difficult because I, because I'd never felt like that before. I didn't know how to manage myself. And like my mum and my sister have both experienced a lot of anxiety, and so they were quite. I mean, I'm sure they were worried, but they were quite laid back about it. In that, like, oh yeah, no, I know that feeling. Like they were, that, and they they know what to do with themselves when they feel like that. And I just didn't. And I just that made it so much worse because I just felt like just overwhelmed by the panic but then not knowing what to even do about the panic like I can remember one morning lying in bed and thinking like okay I'm just I'm gonna make a cup of tea that's not going to be difficult I can I can make a cup of tea I was crying obviously (laughs) because I was awake Uh, and I got down as far as the kitchen and I put the kettle on and I just I like oh it was that even that was too much and I had this like sort of surge and made this like sort of guttural groaning noise of like uh, like I just don't know what to do with myself and I just had to like run back upstairs and lie back down because just that act of making a cup of tea felt impossible yeah it was it was not a good time for me yeah it sounds really tough. I'm sorry you had to go through that. Yeah, well, I'm sorry, my, you know, that everybody had to put up with me at the time went through it as well. It wasn't fun for my daughter feeling like, you know, because she was often on her own with me. I'm sure she felt very responsible and worried about me. Um, so what in the end, what happened is we, so I was, I'd been crying for about three months and I thought this is, ridiculous like like, and I can't keep going up and down to stay with my mum and my sister and Belle missing school so we decided to move house um to be nearer family so on top of all this sort of that stress and anxiety of the breakup I then had to move us house and find a new school moving house on its own is one of the most stressful things yeah So that was um, not masses of fun, Um, but it was a really good idea. And we moved back to where I was living when Belle was born. And I still have a lot of friends here who I'd kept in touch with. So I had much more of a support network around me. Um, But I think the, the thing that really sort of flipped the switch and and enabled me to stop crying was after about four months um, of 
trying to do everything and carry on as normal. Uh, it was it was sort of school holidays time, summer holidays. And I just decided I was going to not work for the summer holidays. And I had to um, I had to hand my notice in for my main client at the time. I had like a, a sort of two day a week thing. Um, and I just quit that completely. And then every everybody else that I was working with, I just said, I'm not going to be working for the next six weeks. I'm really sorry, but this is the deal. I can't stop crying. So <laughs> if you want me to be able to work for you ever again, <laughs> this is what I'm doing. And actually, as soon as I did that, and as soon as I had the space from work and um didn't have that extra responsibility anymore I I felt instantly a lot better so now you're on the other side how are you feeling now I feel I feel fine now like I I feel like at the moment I'm at a pretty good place in my life relationship wise I don't have one um which (laughs) don't know it just kind of suits me better I think my sister said to me quite recently just how when I'm not in a relationship, I always seem more like myself. I think just more relaxed. I think when I'm in a relationship, I quite often get quite focused on the other person and what they need and trying to keep them happy. And I can... I, can quite easily sort of lose myself yeah I can relate to that I definitely lost myself at the end of my marriage um do you remember a moment more recently after that really difficult breakup where you thought I'm gonna be okay this is all right (laughs) I think in that summer after I'd decided I wasn't going to work and I'd moved house and I'd stopped crying like nonstop every day. Um, and I think the fact of it being summer can often be quite helpful, can't it? Like the weather, I'm quite impacted by the weather. Um, and I really liked where we lived. And what was lovely about it was it was actually the um, house we moved into had been lived in before by one of my best friends and her children and she'd moved somewhere else and we'd moved into it so I already knew the place and I already had like happy memories associated with it from her living there so that was nice that felt really secure and um, that was a nice place to be and so I think when we'd settled in there and I wasn't working there were definitely moments And my kind of like weird contented moments quite often come when I'm doing something like the washing up or like hanging out some washing. And it's like you're doing something as simple and you and the sun's shining and then you feel quite. You just get like a little wave of contentment, you know, those kind of feelings of like, oh, this is nice, isn't it? And I'm doing a job and, you know, I'm being productive and getting things done. So I, I think in that summer so that's about four or five months after we broke up I just started to have more and more of those moments and they sort of joined together and became bigger than the moments where I was crying god I've never cried so much I just couldn't stop myself I'm always surprised you know like you have some people who 
like can feel awful inside but just hide it and like go about day-to-day life and then like inside they just feel dreadful like how do they do that (laughs) well (laughs) at some point they have to all those emotions have to explode out so yeah I just never been able to do that if I feel sad just it just pours out (laughs) (laughs) what actual face well on that vein when you were crying all the time if you could talk to yourself then or you know someone who maybe is listening and feels like that's where they are now what would you say oh it's gonna sound like a massive cliche but time does heal all wounds like it really does like you I I don't think I appreciated it at that time because it was the first time I'd really felt heartbroken and I didn't I couldn't understand how it could possibly change or how I would possibly ever feel any better because what would change we were still going to be apart and I would still be sad um but it does like the more time that passes the more that those feelings fade and the more positive you feel. Um, I also (laughs) listened to a lot of Paul McKenna, you know, who does those like hypnosis CDs. So, so Belle jokes that um, she will never find herself unable to get over a breakup because of all the nights she spent in bed with me while I listened to those (laughs) hypnosis CDs and she's lying next to me. Um, but actually a lot of the techniques that he did in there I found really useful so things like um, you know you kind of it's easy isn't it when you break up with somebody to sort of cling on to all the positive memories and to kind of play those back over and over and what he um, talks about is is instead kind of um, having to make yourself focus instead on the things that didn't work out and on the and to push the other things into the background so you take like a has these techniques of sort of you know you take a really happy memory and you picture it in color and then you fade it to black and white and then you see it getting further away and then you do the opposite with you take a memory that was difficult and you make it more and more vivid and you sort of relive it and you feel how you felt at the time um so I find that really useful but generally it's just time you just have to trust that you will feel better even at that even when you feel you that can't be possible and you can't imagine that it would ever ever happen you will because you always do because nothing ever stays the same like good or bad sadly um but you have to trust that and you, and in the meantime you just have to do whatever you can do like you know lean on people who are happy to be lent on my sister said at the time actually how she actually enjoyed is probably the wrong word but like she was pleased to be able to feel like I think she felt like I've spent a lot of time looking after her or cheering her up when she's was younger and to be able to sort of repay that she really liked and so people like to help you don't they and so don't be afraid to ask people I think yeah it's like 
you might think, oh, I don't want to burden anyone, but actually sometimes people like to look yeah. after you and like to feel yeah, needed and want to be there yeah. for you. Well, thank you so much. This has been great. And thank you oh, for your thank honesty. Thank you for having me. And um, where can people follow you and your blog? Oh, well, they can come read my blog at slummysinglemummy.com or they can follow me on Instagram, slummysinglemummy. I do lots of stories on Instagram. Sounds so they perfect. can come and watch those. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, hi. Thank you for listening to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines. Please leave us a review. Please, please. Um, it would be super nice. They're lovely to read. They keep me cheery and happy and keep me going. Uh, but also it affects our listing, the podcast charts, uh, which are very important because that's how more people find the podcast. And I'd love to help more people get through those really tough heartbreak and divorce times. And they're more likely to find us if we're higher up on the charts. So if you'd like to leave a review, I'd love you forever. You can leave them on iTunes is the big one or most podcast platforms do them as well. I'll take all the reviews you've got to give. You can also uh, get in contact on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com and we have a Patreon account, which means that you can support the podcast for as little as £2 a month and it helps me with all the admin costs. It also means you have access to our 90 style divorce and heartbreak chat room and there's lots of exclusives on there, little bits of audio that you don't get in the main podcast and some giveaways as well. So I'd love to see you over on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines and please leave a review. Did I say that already? Please leave a review. Love you forever.